Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. What's uh, what's going on? What's going on? All my internet amigos out there, see I'm spicing it up. You know, I'm trying to add in some flair to my language. You know, <laughs> got a little pepper on there. That's I like how it. I uh, started this this week. I want to make it different. You know, that seemed yeah, that was nice. I don't know. It was a good de- departure. We're back. Griffin's uh, here. We're starting. We are starting a cult again. For damn near the 60th time, and no one Close. has given me all their assets yet. So clearly the message yet. has not stuck We're more of a well. slow burn cult. But uh, that's Grant. I'm Jake. Hosts, that's us. And then... Uh, we have Blondie over here. Griffin, Mr. Blonde. It's good to be back, gentlemen. I haven't been on probably in like 57 episodes. <laughs> it's been like 10 years, man. It has, dude. It's I'm... been... Yeah, you can leave now. I'm out. It's been you damn can leave. near three decades. You can leave. All right, so today I want to... Oh, I want to teach you some new things, all right? Because we're going to be talking... <laughs> just, some, just some lessons. We're going to be talking about uh, the Kelly Hopkinsville Goblins. And uh, it's a hyphenated name, Kelly Hopkinsville. And uh, right off the bat, I want to explain this to you as to why it's saying that. Is because uh, the police department is located... In Hopkinsville. So the initial report of this was in Hopkinsville, but it actually took place in a location called Kelly in uh, Kentucky, which was about seven miles down the road from Hopkinsville. Yeah. And uh, this took place in some farmland. Um, so before we get into the story, there's two things I want to discuss. And the first thing is um, the scale of what a close encounter actually entails, okay? This is a good, yeah, all right. So, Dr. J. Allen Hynek, who we have referenced uh, many times before, uh, in his book that was published in 1972 uh, called The UFO Experience, A Scientific Inquiry, uh, he has a scale here that would describe what it's like to encounter extraterrestrials, okay? So it starts off simple. And that would be nocturnal lights. Uh, so, you know, just weird lights that you see at night. It's not, uh, not something you can explain, you just, know? It's not just a book that says, oh, it's indescribable. Yeah, exactly. It's not that. Then we have daylight discs. So this would be, uh, it is seen in the daytime, and uh, you would 
generically or in a generic setting, you would see a disc or oval-shaped uh, saucer in the sky. Yeah. And that would be uh, the second part of the scale. The third part would be radar visual, meaning that uh, whatever you see or you think you see uh, is picked up by radar and has confirmation through a radar device. So as the numbers go up, it's like you're getting closer with more more, uh, tenability there? Oh, you'll see here. Then we get into close encounters of the first kind. Okay. And uh, this would be typically within 500 feet of where you are, you have a visual sighting of a UFO. Uh, So that would be the first, the close encounters of the first kind. And that's level four, eh? Yes. Yes. Then... Close Encounters of the Second Kind, okay? And uh, this is where a UFO is around you, you see it, and it's having some effect on you, whether it be a psychological effect, uh, it fucks with uh, vehicles or electronic devices, animals are freaking out. Uh, Even so far as, like, chemical traces being left behind, that would be a close encounter of the second kind. Alien residue, yes. Then you get into close encounters of the third kind, which this is where an animated entity is present in your visual. So that would be uh, a humanoid, a robot, or a human that is seen occupying a UFO. So that is a close encounter of the third kind. Now, if you guys... I'm going to get way more technical on this because there's actually six subtypes of the third counter. So, Close Encounters of the Third Kind have six subtypes, okay? All right. All right. I'd imagine you had to fill a whole book with this shit. Yeah, and this is... uh, The subtypes were created by Ted uh, Bloker or Bleacher. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I like Bloker better. It's B-L-O-E-C-H-E-R. So, I don't know. But Ted Bloker... We know... Yeah. He actually co-wrote the book that I used uh, as my source... And that would be Close Encounter at Kelly. I'll talk about that later. But so, the first subtype of the Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Subtype A. An entity is observed inside of a UFO. So, you would see a UFO and you'd see something inside of it, right? Like through the windshield of the UFO. Yeah. Uh, Subtype B would be you observe an entity inside and outside of the UFO. So now it's getting a little bit closer, you know? Uh, Subtype C. The entity is observed near or or around a UFO, but you have no actual visualization of it going in and out of the UFO. Okay. Um, Subset D or subtype D. Uh, The entity is observed. Uh, There's no UFO uh, seen, and there's no UFO activity uh, being reported throughout the area. You just see the entity that would be in a UFO. Um, Subtype E. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I fucked that up. I had had my train of thought wrong. Subtype D, you don't see the UFO, but it is reported in the area. Okay, but you see a man, and there is a report of something being seen. So subtype D would be you see some type of extraterrestrial. uh, You don't see the UFO yourself, but there are reports in your surrounding area of a UFO activity. 
then subtype E would be observe, uh, the entity is observed, but you don't see the UFO and there's no sightings anywhere in the area. So you just see the entity. It's like signs. Yeah, a little they, bit. When they just are like seeing the guy right yeah. in front of them on the yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then the final subtype is F. And that would be there are no entities or UFOs physically observed, but the subject in question, i.e. being you, would experience some sort of intelligent communication, whether it be telepathy or dream. Oh, my God. And then in the 80s and 90s, even into the 2000s, uh, the extension of Alan Hynek's uh, UFO scale, or the Close Encounter scale as it's referred to, it was actually bumped up uh, until we get to Close Encounters of the Seventh Kind. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, Is that the name of like a movie or something? I think it's like the sixth. No, you're thinking the fourth. The fourth. Well, I was because close. Uh, close encounters of the fourth kind. Uh, this was come up with by a guy named Jacques Vallée, who was uh, Al- J. Allen Hynek's uh, associate, and uh, he wrote that uh, close encounters of the fourth kind would be when you are abducted by an entity and taken into a UFO. So abduction would be the fourth kind. Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. Then you get into Stephen Greer, who I personally do not like very much, UFO researcher, but we'll get to him on another day. Um, and a close encounter of the fifth kind is uh, when a UFO event involves direct communication between aliens and humans. Okay. So Communication? or Yes, okay. so that would be like communication. Then you would get close encounters of the sixth kind, which is death of a human or animal that is caused by a UFO or entity sighting. So just destroy all humans. Yeah. <laughs> the games, one and two. Mars attacks. And then David Huggins, close encounters of the seventh kind, would be the creation of a human and alien hybrid, either by sexual reproduction or artificial insemination. Oh, that's David Huggins up the ass. So I wanted to go through this just so we have the scale of what's going to happen here. Because, spoiler alert, when we get to the story, it will be a close <laughs> encounter of the third kind. And, honestly, when you look at like these subtypes that I've gone through, we're going to hit about four or five of them. We're going to hit them a lot. Yeah. So I wanted it's to clear crazy. that. And then um, I, uh, I'm going to give you a quick breakdown of who's in this home, and then we're going to get into the story. Yeah. So this takes place on August 21st, 1955, um, which a little fun fact that I encountered in my research, coincidence or not, this occurred on Sunday, August 21st, 1955, and in 2017, so August 21st, 2017, crazy, right, 62 years later, Hopkinsville was the best location in the United States to get a full and total view of the eclipse. Oh, really? With a total viewing period of 2 minutes and 58 seconds, which was the longest in the country. So it's just it's an odd, cool. odd little coincidence I mean, that it's the same date. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that being aside, I just thought I'd throw that in there. So we have Mrs. Gwenny Lankford, the owner of the home at age 50. Uh, she is the widow of Oscar Wankford. 
All right. And uh, she has some kids, right? She's got a lot of kids, actually. She's got a few children. Yeah. Um, So then we have uh, Elmer, known as Lucky Sutton, who's 25. And uh, this is Mrs. Langford's son by her first husband, who is dead, named Tillman Sutton. Okay. I like that first name. Then we have Vera Sutton, 29. She's That's how old she's, 29. Is Vera or Vera? Vera, Vera, same name. No, I just think of Pink Floyd, Vera. Um, she is Elmer's uh, wife. And then we have John Charlie Sutton, J.C., Jesus Christ. Um, oh, yes. She, he is also uh, Mrs. Langford's son from The First Husband. And then you have Aline Sutton, who is J.C.'s wife. Then we have Lonnie, Charlton, and Mary Langford, ages 12, 10, and 7. Respectively, I think it's pronounced Carlton. It's just spelled weird. Oh well, it's stupid. It's got the C H Carlton. Uh, these are Mrs. Langford's children uh, by Oscar Langford, her now husband, after the death of Mr. Tillman Sutton. So that's the family, and then in the house we have Billy Ray Taylor, who is 21 years old, and he's a good friend of Elmer Sutton. Uh, then you have June Taylor, who is Billy Ray's wife. O.P. Baker, who they can't pin down his age. He's either 30 or 35. They don't know. (laughs) Um, And he is the brother of uh, Aline Sutton, who is J.C.'s wife. Yeah. So altogether, there's 11 people in this house. Yes. And Why can't they uh, pin down his age? Is there just like I don't a know. lack of records or something? I don't know. I don't know how these people live The reason lives. this guy was in this house... So it's just weird. Because... Elmer and uh, Vera, uh, Vera, sorry, Elmer and Vera. I'm going to say it wrong. You yeah, might you, look at that up here. Elmer and Vera, they're good friends with Billy Ray and June Taylor. And they are actually staying at this house, uh, the farmhouse, because they are waiting for work. They're waiting for the carnival to come around because they're carnies. The four of them are carnies. Isn't that just fun? So they're waiting for work to come around, and uh, they're just kind of hanging out here. I can see a carny losing track of how old he is, so that makes more sense. Oh, no, OP's not a carny. <sighs> well, nothing um, makes sense in this story anyway. So. OP, actually, uh, he lived in Hopkinsville, which was a couple miles away, but he would sleep at the farmhouse because he did not have a driver's license, and uh, the person that would pick him up and take him to work every day uh, the farmhouse was like a way easier spot to get in and out of for them. So they just let him stay at the farmhouse for the ease of whoever drove him to work. <laughs> that is southern hospitality if I ever heard it. Yeah. Like they just like barely know this guy. They're like, yeah, you can live here as long as, you know, because it'll just be easier for your carpool. You can stay and on the farm. This is a point that I want to stress before we jump into the story here. What's that? Uh, Glennie Lankford, uh, who was age 50, she was very well-known throughout the town uh, as being a very honest and, like, a pretty stubborn woman. Like, you know, a southern stubborn maiden, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> southern stubborn. Uh, she did not allow hard liquor in her home at all. The farmhouse had zero hard liquor. The only thing allowed was beer, and that was because her husband and her children, the older children, liked to drink beer, so they had some beer. Yeah. And uh, just a little background uh, on this house. Uh, it was a farmhouse. It was an old-school farmhouse. I, uh, I'm i going to put the link 
to uh, this book because it's in a PDF. And uh, it's really cool. I'll put it in the bottom of the show notes. But uh, it's really cool because they have complete maps of the house. So you can, like, see where everything is and where they were. But uh, the house had no running water. So they had one outhouse, no bathrooms inside, no running water. They had uh, electricity only for lights, and they had a small refrigerator in the kitchen. So I just want that all to be known now, because I'll stress all of this later yeah. after you start As to understand story goes why. In. So let's get into it. Let's see what happens. Here. Yeah. All right. So at 7 o'clock, right? All right. Well, all right. So it was August 21st, 1955. All these people gathered. It was a total of 11 people. It was a Sunday. It was nice. It was very hot uh, in western Kentucky. And, uh, yeah, they all just, like, gathered in this home to play card games and just, you know, like, camaraderie, shoot the shit, all that kind of thing. So, uh, on that day, around 7 p.m., Billy Ray uh, briefly left the group to get a bucket of water from the nearby well pump, or water pump, because uh, there was no running water in the house, like yes, you said. Yes, exactly. So. I uh, knew that comment would come in handy. Exactly. Coming back. But yeah, so uh, as he was doing this, he went out to the water pump, right? Uh, He looks in the sky, and uh, what does he see? He sees a flying uh, saucer-shaped craft uh, trailing all the colors of the rainbow behind it. So isn't that just prideful? That's good. Yeah, it's it's wild. It's very nice. And uh, so yeah, it soared downward into a nearby field, right? So he returned to the house, and he's like freaking out. He's like frantically informing everybody. And uh, they're all just kind of laughing at him. Uh, yeah. They don't believe him. They they don't believe him at all. And uh, they, uh, Lucky specifically was like, yeah, forget about this. Yeah, and You're the, freaking everyone out. The reason they didn't believe him is uh, it's not because he's a carny, but in interviews that the people that were witness to this have given, they said that if anyone in that group was more likely to play a practical joke on them and try to, like, egg it on, it would have been Billy Ray. Yeah. Like so that's why initially that he was kind of the jokester, so they were kind of just like, Yeah, whatever, fuck off, Billy. They may have been like kinda of like tossing him off there, but I feel like they may have seen a bit of uh, legitimacy in how he was reacting. Oh, yeah. They were they were also trying to come up with like uh scenarios. They were like, Oh, uh-huh. maybe he was a shooting star, uh maybe he was this, like, don't worry about it, just forget about it. But anyway, uh so about an hour later, uh around like eight PM the sun had set, and Mrs. Lankford's dog was uh, freaking out outside. Because they're all inside playing cards and doing all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the dog began ferociously barking at something in the dark. And uh, Billy Ray, Lucky, and JC all came to the window to see what was like causing the commotion, you know. Uh, with Billy Ray's claims uh, from, you know, an hour before in the forefront of their minds, they're kind of wigged out. A little kind bit, of yeah. freaking out a little bit I'd right be, now. I'd be a little on edge, probably. Kind of freaking out. So uh, they couldn't see anything, right? So uh, they ventured out onto the porch for a better look. And just as they stepped outside, the dog ran underneath the house and with its tail between its legs. And it would actually stay there until the afternoon of the next day. Smart dog. It was freaking out. So, uh, not moments after this, a glowing figure with bright yellow eyes emerged from the tree line, right? Uh, this creature was later described to be, uh, you know, by Glennie and uh, her two adult sons, Lucky and JC. Uh, he, it was described as three feet tall. Uh, he was like a little man with uh, enormous glowing yellow eyes, uh, large bat-like ears, 
disproportionately large hands and arms so long that the huge hands nearly dragged across the ground. Big guy. And his whole body is glowing, but his his, uh, eyes were glowing a bit more intensely. Yeah, definitely. Just coming out of the woods, isn't that scary? So, uh, they also claimed that the creature appeared uh, to be wearing a skin-tight suit that appeared to be reflective and metallic. That's so it's just the, the classic uniform of the extraterrestrial. That's like the textbook 80s alien. Tracksuit, glowing, very... very he kind of just looks like a right. guy from the Ukraine. That's <laughs> Who he, just likes partying and like Oakley looking like glasses. He kind of looks like that if he bathed in whatever's inside of a glow stick. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone from the Ukraine is an alien. I thought we had that. We've established out. this since episode one. Everyone from every other country is an alien to us here in America. Yeah. For we, some reason. David Huggins, uh, he was just having sex with a Ukrainian woman. It was not an alien yeah. at all. <laughs> he just had hundreds of Ukrainian little babies up in the sky. She was a very fertile woman. There's nothing he could do about that. He couldn't control <laughs> he that. He gave her flowers. There was nothing she could do. The condoms did nothing. It just went right through it. We used every form of contraception. None of it worked. Spermicide. In and out of the condom. I pulled out. Four I condoms. didn't even have sex with her and she got pregnant. It was like a layered cake of condoms and spermicide. So now I'm just saying they're all aliens because I don't want to take care of them. <laughs> now my kids, not even from this universe. I can't afford that shit. I can barely afford they're to like, feed David, myself. The Ukraine is in this universe. No, it's not. It's from no, the Korean no, Nebula. Right it's not from here. That right Get there, a lie. Here. It's a lie. Get out of here, bitch. <laughs> Zinger. But yeah, so yeah, you said it, it looked like they were from the 80s. So they were 25 years ahead of their time, if that's a fact. But, uh, so the little man uh, approached the farmhouse, the you know, little guy that came out of the woods, uh, with a slow and awkward walk. And uh, once it was close, uh, you know, like pretty close, like in the yard, uh, it raised its hands over its head, seemingly uh, trying to communicate. It's like, In hello. Boogity, boogity, boo. He threw his hands up in the air and said, No lemonade Ayo. for you. Oh, no. But, yeah, so he, uh, he approached. He put his arms uh, above his head, and he was like, I don't, he didn't say anything. But they were all freaked out, right? Uh, Lucky grabbed a 20, uh, 20-gauge shotgun and a twenty two pistol, uh, normally reserved for shooting marmots, and, like vermin and stuff on the farm. But, uh, yeah, once the creature was within about 8 to 10 yards or so, uh, they opened fire on it. And the shots didn't seem to do anything, right? In fact, the creature uh, did a backward somersault and then ran away. Like, wow. So isn't that just fun? That's kind of adorable. You'd feel defeated a at a point. three-foot like, goblin-looking oh, man. This is bullshit. Why are, are you aliens kidding? always, like, invincible to human technology? Because they're, they're way past it, bro. They don't need it anymore. They don't need projectiles. They have, uh, uh, you see, we don't know what they have, and that's why they're beating us, okay? They'll always win, dude, forever and always. It's true. Amen. <laughs> and let us now eat. Bow your heads. Jesus. In name, in name of the overlords, the Zenu. reptiles. Zenu. Anyway, uh, the shots, uh, yeah, they didn't do anything. He did backwards somersault, scampered off back into the woods. Right, that's pretty cool. Anyway, everyone is in the house. They began freaking out because, like, it was only those uh, the three boys that saw it. It was Billy Ray, JC, and uh, the other guy. Right, what's his name? Elmer. Lucky. That's Elmer. what it is. Lucky. Yeah, Same yeah. Guy. Elmer Lucky. But uh, yeah, it was just the three of them that like saw it, 
And everyone in the house is freaking out. They're just like, "Who? why did you shoot a gun, right? Uh, Glennie and her son's uh, wives, they sat down shaken, attempting to like discuss ex- explanations for what may have happened. Uh, so yeah, uh, while Billy Ray uh, manned the back door with his twenty two pistol, uh, Lucky and JC manned the front door with the shotgun, right? Sounds like a good plan. Yeah, right? So uh, apparently Lucky had muttered something about... Uh, little goblin-like creatures. And that's when Glennie decided to send her younger children to bed. Right? She's just kind of like, oh, uh, not think about that. Makes sense. Yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, she began asking the men uh, further questions about what they had seen. And when she asked Billy Ray back in the back end of the house, he replied with, Miss Glennie, I hope you don't find out. Which is a very uh, caring thing to say. No, right. that's like super douchebag thing to say what was he supposed to say it's like dude if i saw something i'd be like get a load of this you know what i mean like you're gonna start like dishing out tea like in all this dude it's you not like... shit me hell yeah dude if i saw like a, a little green guy walking around my yard i'd be like if someone in the house was like what'd you see i wouldn't be like don't worry about it i'd be like you are not gonna fucking it's believe like, it, well it's kind of like the scenario it's like ah, oh, we gotta fucking solve this before we can even start discussing it you know, he's like freaked out. A little glowing man came out. He's impervious to weaponry. And I'm a discusser. I'm a, I'm a very You gotta discuss discusser. things. Yeah, I want people to know too, I think. Yeah, but you know, to a certain extent, it's just like... I, I feel like it would eat at me if I just had a gun and was guarding the door and nobody knew what I was guarding it for. I'd, I'd be very upset. So, yeah. I just would want people to think that I wasn't lying, really. That's no, all of I course. Want. I, I am on your side only like because they, he, she does sit down with Billy Ray and like just sits there for a while. In silence. So in that time, I'd be like, all right, you want to really know. So I, I am on your I side mean, it, in that I, sense. I guess I am looking at it through like an improper lens. I mean, this is 1955. We're in the days of like, if I see a dog that looks funny, I can just like take a Snapchat picture of it and everyone can see it. Yeah. So like I am looking through it through a very different lens. But, uh, you know, it's hard not to. It all got figured out, man. We're all good. We're all good. Uh, yeah, so she sat beside Billy Ray after he said that to her. And uh, the two listened outside and to the others nervously chattering in the front room. Uh, This was all up until seven-year-old Mary suddenly began crying in the bedroom, right? And uh, as Glennie rose to investigate, she found that the uh, door in front of her that she'd been watching with Billy Ray that whole time, right as she stood up, uh, a little glowing man just appeared right outside. That's fucked. So she was screaming. You're dead. You're dead. She was screaming on that ass. And, um... Yeah, and uh, Billy Ray reacted by firing the twenty-two through the screen door, and uh, the creature again nearly stumbled away uh, once again, right? So everyone in the house ran to the back, uh, the back entryway, and Billy Ray went out uh, onto the rear uh, porch, you know, to see if he could see where the uh, glowing creature with the eyes had gone. He went out there, the back porch. And uh, as soon as the door shut behind him, right, the others clearly witnessed a large glowing hand from the creature reach down from the roof and uh, just kind of graze his hair. A little tickle. He was like, who's that head and shoulders? A little tulip tickle, you yeah. know? Maybe it's Maybelline. Tickle them tulips, baby. Exactly. <laughs> so, Aline, right? Or Yeah, it's Aline. Uh, she uh, grabbed Billy and pulled him away from the creature's grasp. As uh, Lucky pushed through the uh, the crowd of people uh, with a shotgun, and he turned around and 
shot uh, shot the crouching creature on the roof, and again it just rolled off the roof and ran away. So these guys are just officially not having anything, uh, any way to fight these things. But they're not really attacking them, right? Up until this point, it's just kind of like seeing these trying to like check his hair for ticks. Yeah, it's not like they're too you know crazy. But anyway. So not moments later, uh, JC alerted the group, because uh, he was still in the house, right? He uh, alerted the group to another creature, pressing its face against the window in the living room, right? And uh, Lucky and Billy Ray both fired, and the creature scurried off again. So it's a lot of just scaring these guys away with guns that don't do anything. Uh, Aileen, June, and Vera, uh, they went into the children's room to try to console them, because, you know, there's like a bunch of gunshots going off. Not what you want as a sleeping child. Uh, so yeah, to console them, uh, while JC waited in the living room with the twenty two in his hand, and Lucky, uh, went outside to assess the damage, uh, cause he, he was pretty sure that he hit it, right? He was pretty sure that he hit it. this motherfucker. So he went out to see, he was like, ah, I probably got that guy, right? And as soon as they were outside, someone said, uh, look towards the maple tree. Which is just valiant. That's, that's a very valiant sentence. A creature was perched on the lower limb, right? It was uh, the, one of the glowing boys, the three-foot glowing boys with bat ears and long arms. So, uh, yeah. Uh, it was on a lower limb. Lucky fired at it, right? And he hit it, apparently. But instead of falling, the creature seemed to float to the ground uh, softly, and then he scurried off. Like a feather. So now they're floating everywhere. And in that same moment, right as that happened, uh, another creature rounded the nearest corner of the house and Lucky fired point blank, right? This time there was a metallic sound that could be heard and it was described as like bullets, like a handful of bullets like rolling around in a a metal pail, something like that. And uh, yeah, the creature just stumbled away. <laughs> he was so cl- He got shot point blank and there was just a little metallic sound. He's like, I'm getting out of here. Um, see ya. You know? Bye-bye. So, yeah. Dick. Again. Yeah. And they're not even, like, fighting back. It's kind of... These aliens seem kind of cool. They're just hanging around. I wouldn't want a bunch of them in my yard. Well, you know. Come on. See, but then my thought is, like... Would you shoot them? Honestly, you might have to. Well, like, at the beginning, but then it's, like, not doing anything. You're like, would you keep shooting them? But if it's scaring them away, what happens if they're not scared away? Like, you know what I mean? What's stopping true, them from, but... like, coming into the house? Also, yeah. what stops them? Do we find out? No. No. Well, they're, damn. Just, they're just curious little boys. But, uh... I bet it's water. It might be water. You're right. Water. Mel Gibson was right all along. Oh, my God. The passion of the Christ. <laughs> Apocalypto. Oh, my God. Okay, that's good stuff. Oh yeah. So, so he shot. He, uh, he shot the little little man out of the tree. He floated down. He escaped. Another one rounds the corner. He shoots it. It sounds like a, a, a bunch of bullets in a bucket. And then he just well, goes away. He just walks away. Everyone retreats into the house. Right. Uh, once again, at this point, they had uh, come to the realization that bright lights also make them uh, go away when they have their like faces pressed against the window. Because they turn on a light, and that's when they leave. And in all the other situations, they have to be shot at. So the lights work, right? They quickly turned on every light in the house. And after this, uh, there was about an hour of peace, right? Aside from the occasional scratching noise or sound of the frightened children whimpering in their rooms because they don't know what's going on. There was nothing. 
right? So anyway, during this time, during this downtime in their, their fun little night, uh, the adults uh, present, you know, they decide to load themselves into, they load themselves and the children into uh, two nearby trucks that were parked by the front door. So that's cool. They, they, they went a few yards to trucks. And uh, just after 11 p.m., the group arrived at the Hopkinsville Police Department, which was about six miles north of where they were. So they arrived there, and yeah, so they were at the police department. They explained their experience to the front desk clerk, right? Uh, though he was very skeptical, because, you know, it's like a crazy uh, fucking story that I just, I've just described to you so recently, just now. It's pretty crazy, right? So he was a bit skeptical, uh, but he did see how frightened everyone was, so he phoned it into the chief, uh, Chief Russell Greenwall, right? And he was probably tired because he was like, I'm just going to call the state police and the Christian County Sheriff, so a different sheriff. And he also called the Fort Campbell Army Base, uh, which sent four military policemen along uh, to investigate in the case to make sure that the creatures uh, maybe weren't, you know, armed or extraterrestrial. Yeah. So you so got to have the government. There. I have, uh, I got, yes, yeah, so we have Russell Greenwell, who's the chief of police of Hopkinsville. Uh, and then he brought along with him Sergeant Malcolm Pritchett uh, from the Hopkinsville Police Department. Then, uh, yeah, they called in other people. So they called in George Batts, uh, who was the deputy sheriff of Christian County Sheriff's Office. Uh, Trooper Russell N. Ferguson Jr. of the Kentucky State Police. Uh, G.W. Riley and uh, Mr. Simpson. Uh, were interviewed by telephone uh, during this situation. Mr. They're part Simpson. of the Kentucky State Police as well. Uh, Harvey Reeder, who was the staff photographer for the Kentucky New Era, which was uh, the magazine or the newspaper. His name is Reeder, but he's a photographer. Um, and then Mrs. Harvey Reeder, uh, his wife, Tom Covington, and Joe Doris, who were all uh, reporters, along with Frank Cameron, who was a news reporter for the radio station WHOP. And then uh, Andrew Bud Ledwith, who was the engineer announcer at the radio station as well. So these people are all, like, coming out. Not That doesn't even include the members of the military base that came out as well. Yeah. Military police showed up. And um, while, uh, while they were going to the farm, I... I don't. I'm not going to say names because I know I'm going to get it wrong. One of the females that was present at the encounter was in the cop car, like driving back with them. Yeah. And one of the cops in the car actually had uh, a lot of EMT experience. Uh, he was in the medical field before, and he noted that she was extremely flushed and very flustered, like scared, jittery. And uh, he could see the vein on her neck, like where you check for pulse. And he said it was so violent that he could check her pulse by just looking at it. Jesus. And he counted it, and it was roughly 140 beats per second. That is insane, but he does need to keep his eyes on the road. But no, 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 this guy is... wasn't driving. Oh, okay, they got it. And uh, no, that, that is that's twice, insane. That's twice the normal heart rate of your average individual. Jeez. So he knew... Just based on this, not only did they believe kind of already the reaction of these people, after this guy saw this and told his superior, they were pretty much like, whatever it is, yeah. something fucking weird's happening here. Yeah, I mean, it, only so much of that can be blamed on 
Southern style and I, with the heart rate. I must but, correct uh, myself. I meant per minute, not second. I, fi- I mean, yeah, I, I, I everyone said knows. second, but I, I messed that up. Yeah. I'm sorry. Screw whoever doesn't like that. But yeah, Come so on. I wanted. Th- I thought that was a little interesting no, tidbit of information to toss in. It very much is. Yeah, so all those people, right? It was about a dozen, like, cops, right? Total. And uh, so, yeah, they all, uh, from all the participating agencies, they searched the property with flashlights, right? Uh, they found the shell casings from the guns, which is, you know, that's, that's normal because they were shooting. Uh, but there were no footprints, nor was there any evidence of a spacecraft or anything. They didn't find anything. So, the officers interviewed uh, each witness separately. And uh, they kind of found that there were no inconsistencies in any of their stories. They all lined up. They all lined up. So, at around 2 a.m., that was about the time that all the officers were like, well, there's nothing really we can do. Sorry. And then they left. So all of them left, right? All the officers left. Um, They found no evidence of what was being described to them. And you know what? Uh, everyone kind of figured, you know, we haven't seen him in a while. Maybe we're good. Maybe we're safe. Uh, feeling somewhat safer, right? But still kind of shaken by the whole experience. The uh, the group of 11 folks, they uh, they attempted to get some sleep, right? So this is after the cops leave. They try to get some sleep. Around 3.30, so about like an hour and a half after this, uh, Glennie wakes up to one of the creatures peering through her bedroom window again. So they're just still there. They're back. It's outside the window. She cries out for Lucky, who was napping on the uh, living room couch, right? And uh, he ran in with the shotgun, turned on the light, and the light kind of scared it off, so it went away. And that was the very last time that any of them ever saw the little uh, Hopkinsville goblin creature, right? Uh, the next morning, right, uh, around two, uh, like two officers arrived to conduct a search of the grounds in the daylight. And uh, along with them in the coming like days and weeks and months uh reporters uf uh, ufo investigators curiosity seekers uh just fanatics they began arriving to the farm as well right and uh this also included a u.s air force uh representative that actually showed up to uh at one point you know to investigate the house uh regarding project blue book so isn't that just fun yeah yeah it is this ties in. This was a very uh, pivotal case for a lot of people because it, it. I mean, it still is. It's very on either side. Like skeptics and believers, yeah, kind of have their evidence, and nothing balances out. So yeah, it doesn't. Re- I mean, like a lot of the the details of the story kind of get like hyperbolized. Oh yeah, in, in like you know. I don't know. It's well, I mean, uh, in, it beca- it. it's become like a folkloric thing. And it wasn't in, the, in the days of the internet. So I mean, like I have uh the original news article that ran the next day about this story. And then from there, I mean, that was like all the buzz, you know, like yeah, everyone it was, was talking a huge about thing. it. So after, you know, it goes around people are saying this, um like the book that I reference uh I've referenced throughout this Close Encounters at Kelly, um the woman that wrote it actually wasn't able to get out there for about 10 months to actually like conduct the interviews and all that because I mean, it's the fifties, you know, like it, it traveling wasn't as simple as just like, Oh, well I'm just going to do this and get there right now. It's like, especially for, you know, people that weren't rich, you know, you had to save and 
find a way to get there, and then once you're there, find a way to survive while you're there. Yeah. That's why dreams of traveling back then were so much more like romantic as yeah. opposed to now where it's like, I'm going to go to O'Hare Airport and I'll be in California by 7.30. Yeah. It's so, like, all right, well. Yeah, people back then were just interested in going in a direction. They're like, we're going west. Let's see what happens. Road trip. Yeah, they're just like, I'll see how and far we can it. never like northwest or like southeast. It was always like, I'm going south or I'm going west. You know, it was. Yeah, so. They traveled truly. Nobody really knows how to categorize this because it's it's pretty unique i mean there really haven't been many other big cases where there's tiny green men like your stereotypical little green alien yeah, monsters that literally look like they're from gremlins like they, yeah. they look exactly like that it looks like stripe like running at it you. does like that's what it looks like so it's very strange and all the people involved in this uh they kind of were done with it. I mean, by the next day, um, Elmer and uh, Billy Ray were in Evansville, Indiana, uh, giving sketches to like artists so that they could do the artist rendering of like what they saw. Yeah. And I mean, within a couple weeks, like they were done because they were being ridiculed and made fun of, and it kind of stopped there. So no one really got to the bottom of the story ever. Yeah. Because you couldn't at that time. People weren't ready for it, you know? Yeah. So we have this. Uh, what is interesting is uh, they are in Kelly. And when Billy Ray sees the UFO earlier in the evening of August 21st, uh, that is actually corroborated by two men in a diner in Hopkinsville that reported seeing a UFO in the sky that same night. Really? Well, did did they describe that it had like the like all the colors of the rainbow behind it? They did not. Okay. They just because, saw a UFO. Because that was another thing I was going to bring up is that night apparently there was a meteor shower. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, you can be freaked out by a meteor if it's like bright enough, it seems like it might be closer than it is like with the streak and all that shit. But <clears throat> I don't know. Like the whole uh all the colors of the rainbow behind it is very unique, and I don't think yeah, it's meteors weird. do that. It's weird. I don't know. Um, so, yes, all of this happens, right? We we never get definitive answers on what these things are. Not that we expected that anyway. Yeah. But we we get nothing. There's really no encounter other than visual. That's yeah. pretty much all we get. And there was there are, like, some people that think that um, – what the entire family like could have seen may have been like a uh, I forgot what it's called. It's like it's like a, a horn eared owl or some shit, mm-hmm. and they're like native to around that area and all that. But uh, I don't believe but, and that. Then, yeah, I don't believe it either because it relies on too many like things stacked upon each other to like have this just so picture of them being convinced that it was like aliens. But it's funny because they do the exact same thing with the Flatwoods monster case where they're like, yeah, like oh, it's an owl. Yeah, and it, but it had, like, an Ace of Spades helmet, and they're like, it's an owl. And they're like, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Yeah, and, like, these things were glowing, and everyone's like, oh, it's this very rare kind of mushroom fungus that just so happened to have been growing all over this entire owl at the time, so that's probably what it was. It's like, okay, so it's a it's a glowing owl. How do you... It, it's reaching down and grabbing people. Yeah, I don't you, know. It's no impervious way. to bullets. What's going on? So, yeah, I don't really uh, uh, dig any of those explanations. I think this is a mystery. It is. And I, li- I would like to believe that it's real. 
it's a forever mystery, and they they didn't find any traces of like a a UFO landing, uh, any chemical imbalances in the soil or anything. No footprints. They found nothing. There's no evidence to nothing support at all. anything on either side. So obviously, you know, to the skeptic, that's all the proof they need is yeah, that oh, like, there's oh, nothing. It's you can't prove it. There's no trace of it. But um, as I was saying uh, earlier. There was no uh, hard liquor allowed in the house. Yeah. Right? So there was no hard liquor, and when the police arrived, immediately they wanted to uh, look into that. And there were five beer cans, empty beer cans, strewn about the house, and the garbage was empty of any beer cans. So with that being said... You have five beers is enough to get eleven people plastered, right? Well, you have eight people of the legal drinking age in this home. Five beers would not be enough to not only have everyone have a single beer. No one could get, one one or maybe two people could get drunk off that. And if, there's if, six other witnesses. If one at that person point. got drunk off of five beers, they would be drunk. But they wouldn't be fucking hallucinating. Yeah, so <laughs> like, that that can immediately be ruled out. The skeptics like to throw that one out there and say, oh, yeah. well, they're drinking. Um, they really have no way of denying that. And then also uh, we go into the character of these people, right? So Glenny, uh, you know, the matriarch of this home, uh, pretty much everyone in the town, the cops included, believed her. Because why wouldn't they? Like she, it was pretty much described by people that knew her and just townsfolk in general that she would rather die than tell a lie. That she was that type of person. So that offers some credibility. And then obviously, you know, the newspapers, they took it and ran the whole Carney thing. Oh, yeah. But. There was another explanation I want to bring up later, but go ahead. What, I, to me, what needs to be understood is that uh, demographics do not play a role in intelligence or thought. Um, so just because this person is a carny does not mean that you could discredit them for being you know, a fool or an idiot. Yeah. Uh, the same way that they tried to do that to every witness by claiming, you know, oh well, they're you know they're farmers, they're just dumb farmers, they don't know yeah. anything. But then the argument could even be raised on the opposite side that wouldn't a farmer be more aware of their natural surroundings than your typical person? Yeah, if like a CEO was to see this and everyone just believed it, like why would that right. make anyone believe it? So going back to the argument of oh, it's an owl. Well, these people are all farmers or live on a farm. And they're dealing with animals. So why wouldn't they do it? And it's not like these people had money. This was It was a three-acre farm. Two acres was uh, tobacco plants because they made some money off that. That's like what they grew in Kentucky. Yeah. And then another half acre was a private garden for them. So they grew vegetables and fruit that they would eat you know, in the house. And then the other half of the acre was the yard and the house. So it wasn't like this was the sprawling escape from reality. It was, you know, a three-acre plot of land. It's uh, not a big to-do. I mean, houses nowadays typically have, you know, one to three acres of land. So it's like 
th- it's not like this was this huge fucking place. So it really drives home the character of these people that most of them were seen to be trustworthy, and even the ones that weren't seen to be trustworthy saw and corroborated the story of the people that were trustworthy. Yeah, like I said, they they interviewed the police interviewed them all individually, and there was no inconsistency in any of their stories. That to me is like the most believable aspect of it. The fact, I mean, eleven people is a lot. Maybe mm-hmm. it's not enough for like you know a scientific study or whatever, but. Eleven people all corroborating the same story. I mean, it's a healthy sample size. Like four people on the same page. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Ele- I, Eleven, nonetheless. Yeah, and I do want to mention that three of them are kids, and they do claim to have not seen anything. But that's just because they were in their bedroom and like sheltered from it all. But yeah. they do like remember the gunshots. They remember what people were saying and like yelling about and all that shit. So when look at the age range, I mean. Glennie is 50, and then the youngest person there besides the children is 18. Yeah. So we have spanning ages here that are all seeing the same thing, all <clears throat> focused and fixated on what they're visualizing, and they're all telling you the same yeah, thing. Yeah, it's crazy. And just, just for an example, if you were to take the three of us right now and separate us and interview us about what was the last YouTube video you watched today – Obviously, we all know it was the Fisherman blooper video that we saw. Yeah, the one that we don't know if it's actual bloopers or if it's just a video made up of staged blooper. We can't tell. If you were to ask all three of us what we had just witnessed, you'd get three different stories. That's what you'd get. When you're interviewing eight people and all eight people tell you the exact same thing, you kind of have to believe them or at least take it at face value. You have to. It's it's crazy. Oh, but the one thing that I th- there was like another explanation that people threw up, like that kind of got dashed away as soon as it uh, got thrown up. But it's kind of funny because like you know they're they're carnies, right? The boys are some carnies. Yeah. Apparently, one of the explanations was that a monkey painted metallic was like at <laughs> in the circus <laughs> and like in the carnival, right? And it like escaped and like followed him home. And it was just terrorizing the family all night. But see, that, sounds like the worst. That doesn't even make comedy. sense because <laughs> it was just they weren't spider working. Painted gold at that like time. Metallic. I don't know. It was just he was painted with like reflective, like metallic, like paint. It makes no sense because at that time there was no carnival. That's why they were at the farmhouse. They had nowhere <laughs> exactly. to go. Just another reason it was dashed away. But I did. I enjoyed that because yeah, it's as, like oh, it's a metal monkey. Like, yeah, as I was like researching this, the picture of it came up. It's the most adorable, <laughs> just sad thing you'll ever see. Dude, if that's true, it's better than aliens, in my opinion. It kind of is, just because the Slightly, chaos of yeah. the reality that we've accepted is is uh, is acting as uh, awry with us. Yeah, it's, it's good. Strange. I like it. And then that isn't none of this is taking into account that a bunch of police officers, state troopers and the military all came just to see what the hubbub was about. And a representative for Project Blue Book. And another point that I think needs to be made is that a lot of people, it might not register with a lot of people because it's not typical in our lifetime anymore, but this was the 50s, and it was they were all gun owners. There were plenty of guns and ammunition in the house, so, Especially on, like, farms and stuff. Yeah. You know, that's kind of, like, common practice. I yeah, feel. like and I, I mean, said, they're the a couple that... miles outside of town. Yeah. They're not – the point I'm trying to make is, like, these people aren't going to the cops 
for nothing. Like, they're going yeah. to the cops as a last resort. Like, their weapons are not helping them, so they need something bigger, and yeah, that would like, be the police force. Yeah, like, they said, need a bigger gun. Yeah, they said they had, like, all right, the, the twenty two pistol, I understand. It's like, that's for marmots. But it's like a twenty eight shotgun. Yeah, like, you I think you're you're damage. planning on taking some stuff into your own hands, you know? I think you could take, they could pretty much take on anything that's going to come into their home. That's my thought. Yeah, I'd agree. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's just something that I think is often overlooked, especially now. Is yeah, like nowadays, oh, you just use your cell phone, you call the cops. It's like back then, they didn't have fucking running water. You think they had a phone? Like, yeah, dude, like the, they had the you know the old rotary phone that you gotta like. They, they weren't paying for that. <laughs> they were. That's too far too much money. You think carnies have phones? They don't. Have, they don't need phones. The carnies barely phone. have names. Damn. And when they do, it's Billy Ray and Lucky. So Taylor. Every, every time you say Billy Ray, I just get like a very clear image in my head of Billy Ray Cyrus, and I've just been picturing him throughout the whole story. I just think of Stitch's song, Molly Cyrus. Yeah, that's good, too. Where he says, fuck Billy Ray Cyrus, I'm your daddy now. Yeah. yeah that's what I think that. of. That's a factual statement. It is. But yeah, so... This story is strange, obviously to say. It's kind of strange, yeah. Little goblinites coming down. Um, the reason the reason I like it so much is because it's one of those like one-off topics where it's not talked about a lot in this uh, format. Like when it comes to aliens, people don't really know what that is, you know? Yeah. yeah. But uh, I don't know. To me, I think it's just as valid as any other alien story um the fact there were so many witnesses makes it that much better it's like like I, I feel like these people wouldn't ruin a sunday for themselves by putting themselves through all this just to get in the paper for a sec yeah exactly and i mean when you look at it a lot of their lives were not destroyed but um most of them were pretty ridiculed they all kind of separated after that glenny uh moved out of the farm and sold it because they didn't Dang. want any part of it. Yeah. Um, I yeah, have, she was probably getting bombarded with like just people showing up. Yeah. Um, believe it or not, the original uh, story in the paper was like really not biased at all. Um, There's some good journalism going on. Yeah, it was really good. I mean, uh, what they don't mention uh, them being green. But they do. It's on the front page of the Kentucky New Era. I'll put the this link in the description also. Nice. Um, it the title of it is "Story of Spaceship, Comma Twelve Little Men Probed Today." That's whoa. That's a, yeah. <laughs> that's a bit unexpected at the tail end there. But uh, it's compl- like they don't. They're not really like picking on them or like accusing them of being drunk. Yeah, they're or just anything. they're just reporting they're just, what was what happened. Yeah, right? they're just that's, telling you exactly what happened. Um, which is what reporters are supposed to do. Yeah, so like they were saying that they uh, like the they talk about the busted window when they shot the shotgun through the window. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's about it. They mentioned the people and just what happened, and that nobody really knew what to say. And uh, there were 25 police officers on the scene that night. Damn. So it's weird. It's very strange. Uh, A lot of people were involved in this that kind of really didn't need to be involved, but they were. Well, I mean, yeah, but who who uh, needs to be involved? It's a very strange, strange thing because 
it's it's not something that has happened to anyone else. Yeah, I was going to ask you that if they've had any other experiences or if anybody else has, but sounds like no. Um, of these like sp- of those people that experienced it, or of these like specific goblin like alien guys. No, I mean literally where. Well, I guess that too, but where the farm is located. Have there been any other? Nothing stories. since. Yeah. No, no, nothing. Um, and as far as I know, I haven't like ever come across another story about like aliens described quite like this. No, I've never heard anything. Yeah, which like is that. why I'm pre- pretty sure that they're coined as the goblins because they're yeah, like no one knows they're they unique are. to this story. No it's, one, it's really weird. No one really knows. Um, Glenny did uh, say that she saw a UFO a couple of years previous to this. But nothing, nothing like this. It was just like a, it was a UFO. Yeah, just, she was just like, I don't know what that is. Yeah, and just kind of put it out of her mind. And I believe that was in '52. She said that happened. Okay. So it had been. So three it was like years. three years, yeah, before. Uh, but yeah, it was nothing uh, even close to what happened on that night at the farm. So I don't know. I I'm pretty proud of us for this episode because I'm not gonna lie, I feel like we kept bias out of this more than anything else we've ever done. For the most part, yeah. I I I probably said some weird things that I don't even necessarily know if I mean or not, but Like I I've said those, that uh, I, I believe in this, but that's not bias. That's just me no, telling yeah, you what I believe. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, I I kinda I I'd like to believe in it. You I don't can, know if I'd do. You can but make I, your own I'd like to. I'm usually like I err on the side of skeptic, but this is definitely one of the more convincing ones I've heard. Um, I don't know why that is. Maybe it's just because it's like it doesn't use a lot of the tropes of yeah. aliens that you see a lot of the time in stories or in movies. So I don't know. I do not know. And yeah, I think these it's aliens a little are doing different somersaults and- because you look at some of the other cases. I mean, I, again, I'm not discrediting these individuals, but like uh, you know Betty and Barney Hill or Travis Walton. These people, it it shaped their life in a negative way, but it also had positive impact on them as humans, where they got this attention. They were able to, you know, make some money off of it and yeah. kind of sculpt their life around these situations. Dude, Travis Walton, he got like immunity from all disease or some shit. Wasn't that something he came back with? He like never got sick ever again. It's what I, it's what he says, but I'd like to see if he survives Corona. We found his email address in yeah. that book we have, so. I'd like to see if he we should broken. we should send something out see if we see what he's doing. It's not a bad idea. Why not? But uh, Get yeah, Travis over here again. That's not to discredit their stories, but I'm just saying that it's not like any of these people involved ever did anything with this afterwards. It was pretty much just like yeah, it's one of those things that you know they look back on when they're older and they're like that day was fucked up. And, like, that's the extent of it. It's like, that. that's it. And then no they one just knows. discovered what the internet is. They're like, let's try this. And they're on there. They're on the internet. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, wow. They're so, talking to each other. They're like, do you think that really happened still? Yeah. I don't I mean, know. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Probably. I think I remember that. I don't know. I haven't thought a thought in, like, three years. I've been too freaked out. But, yeah, so that is... Uh, Hopkinsville. That's the Kelly Hopkinsville Goblins. Goblins. Or aliens, or just something. They're, they're, you know. Or monkey in a suit. Preferably, that's what you should go with. That's monkey in a suit made of paint. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. But, I mean, cra- let's face it, crazier things have happened than a monkey in a metal suit. Yeah, like <laughs> but, aliens but, coming down. It's literally just paint. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's a spray painted <laughs> monkey, dude. I don't know. I like to it's, envision. It's not wearing anything. It's somehow the most believable, but 
unbelievable explanations at the same time. <laughs> it's because the chaos, like I said, dude, the chaos of the world we're used to is way weirder than anything we could think of that we know can't happen. It's just like, how did all this align? Yeah. But in that, that being said, I don't think anything did align. I think this was just a really weird thing that happened. Yeah, and, whatever uh, it is, there's no denying that it freaked out everyone involved. Definitely, yeah. And That's it had another. a whole town kind of uh, in uproar over this. And then uh, they had a resurgence of this story in 2017 yeah, when the they, eclipse happened. Yeah, they did like a festival sort of like Little Green Men festival. Because they wanted, uh, they. I mean, they kind of, you know, rolled with the punches. They were like, yeah. well, this happened. It's a blip in our history, so let's <laughs> use it. Dude, at the uh, at the festival that they threw for it, they were, uh, they were auctioning off a uh, Mitsubishi eclipse. There you go. Isn't that fun? But yeah, so they did that. Uh, they their hotels and motels in Hopkinsville were booked uh, like months in advance, like sold out. So it was a big thing. A lot of people went. Even uh, to this day, people go there and do their own, you know, little investigation. I don't know if that's the right word because there's really nothing to investigate now. You just kind of go look at it for yourself. Yeah, this was uh, sixty-five years ago. So. Um, they if you go on Google Maps, you can see the land. Um, the farmhouse uh, has been torn down, and a house is built uh, on the land elsewhere. But you can see the, I guess, the footprint of the house. And then, uh, like I said, the the PDF of that book, I will put it in the the show notes. Couldn't think of the word, nice. but uh, that has full layouts and blueprints of the house, so you can see where each person was and where they saw these things in relation to the farm. I really should have just read this book. I, I took from like five different sources. That was, it was just very annoying. Oh, I crammed. It was it was a book. You did. You told me you read this shit like in like three hours, and I was like, "What?" Yeah, I did. It's that's a, a book. Ridiculous. When I really want to read, I can read. Yeah, I know. It's I, called the art of skim reading. Okay, that's the only way to do it. Like, hey, I didn't skim. Yeah, Griff, I did a little bit. I'm not going to deny that. But uh, good. There was that one time in college when we had like a a group project together. Oh yes. Yeah, yeah, I had to read a book in like two hours, and then we just like made some weird project about it, like an art, like audio thing. I, I specifically remember making a very trippy, uh, like beat, <laughs> and yeah. you're just like. Talked over it. Yeah. Total I, I read Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas in like two hours, and then I like wrote a weird, stupid poem about it, and then Griff just like made crazy beats behind it, and we got an A. That was our history. We should have done it with this book. Instead. Art school is hilarious. It is. But anyway, yeah, Grant crammed, and he did a good job, and I love you. Wow, <laughs> I quit. Good, good. <laughs> But yeah, that now is, we can uh, finally retire. That's my. That's not my. That's my end of the story here. I'm done. <laughs> we are starting to add for any of you. a cult. All right, a cult. A cult. We are starting a cult. A cult. The occult. Maybe we'll cover that one day. But yeah, we are starting a cult. That's Grant. Uh, I'm Jake. That's Griff over there. He wrote the theme song, and uh, yeah. yeah, he did. He forgot he did it. But, uh, yeah, and follow us on all the shit, right? Uh, this has been Hopkinsville Goblins, by the way. Follow us on all the shit. It's uh, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, uh, li- uh, we're on Libsyn, right? That's the guy that we do. And uh, uh, Patreon. Email us, startedacult at gmail.com. Uh, yeah. 
That's it, right? Yeah, that's, that's all it. the stuff. You that's didn't most have to say it. any of that, but you did. I did because it's always someone's first episode. Yeah, you never know, I guess. Who knows? All right. Bye. Later. Bye. Goodbye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.